so last week's I brought a podcast treat of the weekend, which was wagon wheels. So I gave Rob a couple of wagon yeah. wheels. So this week's treat is Twinkies. Next week better be ding dongs, or I'm going to be. No, I've already got that set of something set aside. Really? Yeah. Mm, Wait, is there a best before Ryan. date on these? I bought them last weekend. No, no, but is, <laughs> I'll probably I want to know if there actually is a best before date on them or <laughs> if they're just it. infinitely good. That's right. This is the AT Banter Podcast, a balanced and entertaining look at assistive technology, accessibility, and its importance in people's lives. Join Rob Minot, Ryan Fleury, and Steve Barclay as they banter with people around the world about anything and everything regarding assistive technology and the disability community. Now, on with the show. Hey, and welcome to another episode of AT Banter. Banter, banter. My name is Rob Minot. Today, joining me, Mr. Ryan Fleury. Howdy. And Mr. Steve Barkley. Good day, y'all. You have not been here for a few weeks, sir. I wasn't here last week. Well, I don't think you were there the week before. Was he here the week before, Ryan? I, think I was here the week before. I don't think you were. Wasn't I here the week before? What was think so. No, I don't think so. Well, so we talked to know. Kelly Goto. Yeah, he wasn't here for that. And he wasn't here for that. And then I feel like there was the other, and the week before that, that was when we had to do remotely. Oh, that's right, too. He bailed on that, too. Yeah. Oh, okay. So, so you're saying you had a couple of high-quality podcasts. <laughs> that's right. I'm back down in the dirt today. Um, what have you been up to? Oh, I've been here, there, and everywhere. Uh, I heard you went fishing. I did go fishing for a few days, yeah. Did, when, when, did, you, where'd you go, and did you catch anything? Went to uh, Tunkwa Lake, which is uh, just outside of Logan Lake, B.C., about uh-huh. a half hour out of, out of there. Uh, stayed at a place called Tunkwa Lake Resort, which uh-huh. is a really nice little, you know, rustic, little rustic cabins on the side of a lake, and they've got boat rentals and bike rentals and uh, horseshoe pits and things like that. Um, but it's a uh, it's a man-made lake. They they flooded it, uh, I don't know, 40 years ago or something, and uh, it's stocked with rainbow trout, and you can get some nice-sized uh, rainbow trout in there. I saw Ooh. guys pulling out up to. Uh, Five six pounders, which really is a decent size for a rainbow trout. Um, I think the record in that lake is somewhere around eight pounds. But uh, yeah, generally a good lake to fish at. wasn't great while we were there. I caught uh, I caught three that I kept. Uh-huh. Um, but um, uh, you know, I've had I've had buddies who've gone up there and you know walked away with you know fourteen fish apiece or something. You know, just ridiculous. Well, good. So you so now you're all recharged and ready to go for the summer. Yeah, you know what? Every single time that I go out on a fishing trip like that, I come back less functional than I left. You know? <laughs> and, and it's so hard to get your head back around working again afterwards. It's just, you get so relaxed and, you know, you get up in the morning, in the wee hours, you get out on the lake, you fish for a while, you come back, have a beer or two, have some lunch, have a nap, yep. go back out in the evening, fish a while and come back. It's, it's, uh, it's pretty uh pretty casual if you just if you take that routine and just replace the word fish with check our email i mean that's me and ryan's day <laughs> yeah that's right there we just get it well, check email have a couple beers i siesta what are you talking about <laughs> things i don't want to know <laughs> note to self doc pay <laughs> no <laughs> yeah note to self find new job <laughs> hey ryan rob uh what are we doing today 
today we are talking with Tyler Steven, who is a longtime Apple and iOS user, as well as a member of the Apple Viz editorial team. Aha, uh-huh. so we're talking some Apple today. That's huh? right, some Apple smack. Uh, cool. Oh, sorry, they... sorry, Apple Mac. Sorry, uh-huh. slip of the tongue. Yeah, okay, whatever. <laughs> they, uh, well, that's right, because they had their big uh, developers conference uh, a few weeks back. What conference was that? You know what conference <laughs> is. I, okay, first of all, Listen, it's not my fault that, you know, a bunch of engineers sit around and they decide what are we going to call our big Apple event? And they come up with the stupidest name for it. WDCC? Worldwide Developers Conference. What is it? WW? Yes, Worldwide Developers Conference. Think Wonder Woman. No, but yeah, okay, that that might help me remember. No, that's, I don't know. Could they not call it Appalooza Fest or App? Apple Palooza. Aptastic or Aptasm or Apple. Apgasm. Apgasm. Anything. Yeah. You know, they could, they, there was many, many options. They just needed to sit down in a room for two hours and they couldn't come up with a better name. So it's not my fault. I can't remember their ridiculous acronym. So right. anyways. Actually, it totally is your fault. I don't th- No, listen, my brain is just wired that way. I learned that from, from Kelly Goto. So... That's a problem. It's not my fault. Uh, no. So, uh, yeah, they had a big developers conference a few weeks ago. And uh, so we're going to have him on to talk a little bit about that, what some of the announcements were, and uh, just to get his take in general uh, on the state of Apple. Uh, all right. Well, let's talk some news. So did you guys happen to watch the Tony Awards? Yep. Nope. Did you really? You watched the Tony Awards? I did, yeah. Wow. Well, my wife is a big theater fan, and my daughter's a big theater fan, so I don't actually get a choice in these things. <laughs> <laughs> well, then I'm sure that you saw this. You saw this momentous uh, occasion that, uh, what do you call it? What do you, uh, is she an actress, I guess? She, she is an mm-hmm. actress yep. in a play, Allie, Allie Stroker. And, Allie Stroker. Uh, yeah, yeah. She made history as the first wheelchair user to win a Tony. Yay. So she won it for Oklahoma. Oklahoma. Oklahoma, Oklahoma. She was playing Addo Annie uh, in the Broadway revival of Oklahoma. And uh, she's 31, and she lost the use of her legs in a car accident when she was only two years old. Now, I believe I heard somewhere, I thought I read somewhere, that she, was she on Glee? I think at one point. I don't know if she was a regular character on Glee. She was. So she appeared on on Glee in some capacity at some point. They did get a little pushback, though. Uh, Some people did note that there was no wheelchair ramp uh, up to the stage. So she wasn't able to actually sit with her peers and make her way up onto the stage. That's right. I guess she was. I guess they'd put her backstage uh, before the announcement so that. You know, if she won, mm-hmm. she could she could just wheel in from there. Right. A lot of people sort of took note of that and, and complained about it a bit. I, I mean, I, I I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that. I don't want to take anything away from her moment by complaining about, um, you know, the lack of, of accessibility options maybe in the theater at that at that given moment. Yeah, no, there's been a lot of people talking in the last few months anyway about, you know, disabled people playing disabled characters on, on TV and movies because that hasn't been the case typically. So, you know, so she deserves her, her moment in the spotlight. Well, you know, in a way, this is even more important because 
And I don't know. I've never seen Oklahoma. Has anybody seen Oklahoma? No. I, I have not seen Oklahoma. Okay. Uh, so I don't know. Like, I don't think this character that she's playing in Oklahoma is is in a wheelchair. Well, she didn't get up and walk. No. Well, no, but I'm just saying, like, I don't think that, I don't think that, yeah, I don't think in the play, I don't think the character is in a wheelchair. So she's not, she's not in a wheelchair playing somebody in a wheelchair. You know what I mean? Like she's, she's actually playing uh, a character that is, that is normally able, able bodied in the play. So I think that's, that's even better because they, they cast her based on her, her talents. Right. Talent. Yeah. Uh, It has nothing to do with the fact that she's in a wheelchair. Holy smokes. Does she have a voice? So, yeah, so and that's and that's they actually did a performance during the uh, during the Tonys. Oh, did she? Yeah, so mm. we got to we got to hear her sing, and uh, yeah, she can she can belt it out, man. Mm. Oh wow, yeah. that's great. I just looked up her filmography uh, on IMDb just to see what else she's she's done, and actually she's done a, a, a fair number of different shows. She's in uh, uh, Charmed, City Boys, Drunk History, really? Instinct, uh, the TV adaptation of Lethal Weapon, Ten Days in the Valley, Faking It, Cotton, and Glee. Well, wow. Oh, and uh, Rachel Bloom, I was a mermaid and now I'm a pop star. Cool. I should have to write that show down. Yeah. <laughs> Watching that. <laughs> they had you at Mermaid, didn't That's they? That's right. <laughs> no, but this is great. I mean, it's it's so great to see. You know, clearly we could have lots to say about about the theater not having a ramp. Yeah, now, now let's see some blind actors playing some blind people instead of sighted <laughs> actors playing blind people. Well, you will actually see some of that later this fall when Apple releases their premiere called C. That's right. My buddy John is one of the first people to appear in that. He uh, he did stunts in that uh, show. Is that right? Eh? Yep. And friend of the show, Mr. Donovan, was Donovan Till, a yeah. small part in that movie as well. Yeah. Wait, is it a movie or is it a series? I, I think uh, it's a movie. Yeah, I think it's a movie. Yeah. Is it? Yeah. All right. Wait, and what is it on? It'll be Apple's exclusive streaming service this fall. Okay, and it's called so, C. So I'll never see it. <laughs> come over and watch it. Yeah, well, you know, listen. I, I mean, I think there's a couple components to this. I mean, yeah, I, I would love to, it would love to see, um, you know, people with disabilities represented on the screen with by people with disabilities. But, I mean, I'd also love to see just the best person for the part, whether they're, mm-hmm. they're you know, they're blind or they're in a wheelchair who cares? Like, you know, the, this idea that, that somebody has to be able-bodied in order to perform in a, in, in a, a movie or a play or a musical, I, I would love to, for that just to go away and just, you know, give everybody an opportunity to, to show their talents n- no matter what their condition is. So that's the world I want to live in, boys. Congratulations again to Ali Stroker. Ryan, see if you can get her on the show. Alrighty, reach out to her. Okay, I'll get you an email. Hey, Steve, why don't you tell the fine folks about Canadian Assistive Technology? Well, Canadian Assistive Technology is a Canadian-based distributor of guess what? Assistive Technology. I would not have guessed that. Uh, really? Oh, I got to work something better into the name then. <laughs> um, and uh, we do uh, all kinds of low vision and blindness aids, as well as all kinds of physical access aids and uh, accessible furniture. You name it. Visit our website at www.canastech.com. Rick, let me ask you about this. Chaos Technical Services. Chaos Technical Services. Don't sound so excited about it. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! 
<laughs> Speaking of repairs, we are the sister company to Canas Tech. Um, we do the repairs on uh, low vision devices, uh, uh, reading machines uh, for libraries, braille printers, and pretty well anything in between. We can be found at uh, www.chaostechnicalservices.com. Joining us now is Tyler Steven, who is a team member from the AppleViz editorial team. Hello. So we're glad you could join us today. We wanted to talk to somebody from AppleViz about some of the announcements made at WWDC last week, and we're hoping you're the guy. So uh, well, why, don't we, why don't we start off, and uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about what you guys do over there at AppleViz? Um, so AppleViz is a community for blind and visually impaired users of Apple devices, um, iPhone, iPad, Mac, Apple TV, Apple Watch, um, and of course with that um, uh, robust discussion of third-party apps. Right. We have you know whole directories for iOS, macOS, watchOS, and tvOS um, third-party apps and their accessibility. Um, we have uh, the Apple This podcast. Um, where a person can send in all members of our community, send in demonstrations of what they're doing. Right. And um, to um, show off features or, you know, serve as um, beginner's guides. So we have podcasts. Um, we have what's called the Apple Vis Extra, which um, every once in a while, um, someone on the Apple Vis editorial team will reach out to app developers um, and attempt to, um, if they can, if they can have them on for the extra, give recognition, you know, to the community and also give to the developers, give the community uh, some um, recognition to to them if, if they've made strides in accessibility if there's something to be highlighted, that's typically what we do for right. um, extras. We did have one recently. It covered, it was with two people from Apple, Sarah Herlinger, Apple's director of global accessibility policy and initiative, um, and Dean Hudson, a QA engineer at Apple. Um, and they talked about the new features, we talked a little about the accessibility features in the new versions of iOS iOS 13, uh, Mac OS Catalina. Yeah, I wanted to actually talk to you about that because the Apple accessibility team, they're not returning my calls. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, do you have an in? <laughs> can we, can we, you mean can it's we not just me? Name? Have you ever had you. someone from there on your podcast before? No, I've reached out to their media contacts and I've heard nothing back, so I'd love to get somebody on. Yeah, that's because they heard you used Android at one point. That's right, right probably. <laughs> They're just like, screw that guy. <laughs> how, how many uh, how many people are are on the uh, editorial team for Apple Viz? Um, we have seven members on our editorial team. Wow. Okay, so it's a big team. Yeah. Now, how long have you um, been with with Apple Viz? Um, I joined the site in um, March of 2013. I had been a regular viewer of the site. Um, and by, by, by that point, I had been a fairly experienced Apple user, and I um, joined the editorial team in June of 2017. Well, so, of course, you know, it's been a big uh, couple of weeks for, for you guys because of, uh, of, of 
WDCC. What? <laughs> I knew you'd get it wrong. <laughs> Whatever. Listen, they need to rename their damn conference. I was waiting for it. WWDC, what would District Columbia? There you go. <laughs> that makes no sense. Okay, fine. <laughs> so so w- tell me, give, give us uh, some of your impressions of, of what you thought about the big conference that they just had a few weeks ago. Yeah, um, well, it's definitely bigger than the WWDC last year. Um, I feel like it goes sort of a TikTok type thing. Um, last year with iOS 12, it was very much about refinement of existing features and stability and performance improvements. Whereas this year, um, they added a lot, you know, a lot more new features. Um, in iOS and macOS, um, those are the two operating systems that I use. I don't have an Apple Watch or an Apple TV, so I can't really comment on those. Sure. Can you can you walk us through maybe so, sort of a, a few of the big um, features that they uh, have announced for this year? Well, on iOS, um, there is a new dark mode, um, and that is um, something that's been asked for a long time. Right. Not something that I would have use for. Um, because I'm completely blind, but I can see for someone with low vision right. or um, for aesthetic reasons, a person might like a dark mode. Yeah, really um, important for reducing glare for people who are light sensitive. Yes. Um, Siri is getting some subtle text-to-speech improvements, um, making, they were, they're calling it neural text-to-speech. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. really? And um, apparently it's supposed to be better when reading longer um, sentences, longer passages of text. Yeah, um, when they did the demo, reading on stage. it more naturally, a little, um, a little more. I don't know if you you are Apple users yourselves, but um, a little like the Alex voice right. that's built into Apple products, um, which is used for voiceover. Um, the iPad, and this is interesting, something I didn't quite see coming is it's getting a whole feature set of its own and they're actually branching out into what they're calling iPad OS. Really? Um, and my impression of it is that um, because iOS has been just iOS for, you know, as long as the iPhone and iPad have existed that I'd imagine a lot of this is just marketing Um I can't imagine the code base is substantially different. Um, so I would hope that updates come out, um, you know, at the same time for iOS as for iPad OS, and that developers don't have a, you know, a huge task ahead of them of writing apps for a totally different operating system. Um, you know, being the the iPad. Yeah. Um, I think it is going to be different because they're talking about adding USB support and mouse support. So they actually want to make it more of a productivity tool instead of just a media consumption tool. Yes, and I think that's a way for them to sort of differentiate because there's this conception of iOS as not being a particularly pro-friendly OS. Right. Um, And so I think they're trying to, using iPad OS, the the, um, marketing cloud of that to say, you know, these are specific distinct features that the iPad has, the iPhone doesn't to make a more professional experience. They're really trying to make the iPad um, shine. Um, Well, I think too, you know, with Apple making the move to an iPad OS and wanting it to become more of a productivity tool, 
I think they're trying to combat the whole Chromebook thing in education as well. You know, oh, the Chromebook, especially in education. You know, Apple held a fairly dominant position in the education market for a long time. Um, you know, I think this was somewhat exemplified last year, March of 2018, when they held their you know special education focused event in Chicago. Problem is, there are other players now. Um, something like the Chromebook, it's cheap and um, very scalable for the type of things that schools are looking for. You right. know, with sometimes constrained budgets, it might make more sense for them. You know, from a broad sense, to get a Chromebook. Now, when you talk about accessibility, that's a different story. Um, because I find that Apple devices are more for from my limited use of Chromebooks. Um, I found that. Apple devices seem to be more intuitive when it comes to accessibility. I know Chrome OS is getting better. Um, yep. They're constantly improving sure. Chromevox. Yep. Um, but I think Apple, having you know, spent a longer time in this space, has more going for it in terms of accessibility. But um, as far as their markets, like the education, for example, there are cheaper alternatives. You know, people don't necessarily need. To get to get an iPad and stay in in the Apple ecosystem for all these great features, when you can get something for you know for much cheaper. Yeah, and you know the Chromebook has a keyboard built in. You know, you go with an iPad now. You need a keyboard or a case with a keyboard, yeah. and it's just multiple devices. And it'll be yeah, interesting. Chrome OS is that what's interesting about that is that it's a sort of uh, the model an OS based around a web browser. Yeah. Mm. Um, and it's lightweight it's fast i definitely think and and they're improving their key apple's improving keyboard support um with, with the ipad um being able to make custom shortcuts so it sounds like they're making a lot of tweaks is certainly definitely in places where they feel like they're they're sort of lagging behind i mean siri's another good example of that um you know i think that we can all agree that that siri could use um, some work, some work. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, certainly Apple needs to, to get Siri to the level that, um, you know, the, the Google and the, the Amazon devices are at. So, um, you know, and it's interesting that they've, they've gone the quote neural route. Um, you know, we've, we've talked to Google developers here on the show and, uh, you know, they're very much, you know, that AI is a, is a huge component of the stuff that they're working on. So it sounds like Apple's really sort of taking some of that and, and trying to run with it as well. So, you know, it's interesting, you know, and this is why, you know, this is why competition is good, um, you know, because all these different um, companies can can look at what each other is doing and, and tweak their own their own products to sort of compete with each other in the in the marketplace. So, um, and, and it's all it's all good news for us as consumers because, um, you know, they're improving upon what the other person's doing. So, you know, and especially in the accessibility space, you know, it's great to see that if it wasn't for Apple, uh, we wouldn't have this this accessibility arms race that we have between um, Microsoft yes. and, and Google, which it, which is really important because it's just it's making these products, you know, so much better. Yes, because obviously before Apple, um, the idea of built-in accessibility out of the box was sure. out of the question. Yeah, absolutely. We have to give them, you know, tons of credit for that. They really, you know, broke the seal on that. 
um, and they yes. really are responsible for for where we are, we're at today, for sure. Um, you know, but I think that part of the you know part of the downside of that, part of the downside of of Apple being so ahead of the game um, in terms of accessibility is that they've kind of gotten to the point now where. Um, there's not a lot left for them to do in that space. And so to, I think to the, to somebody from the outside, it kind of looks like Apple isn't really doing all that much accessibility wise these days. And that, you know, all there's all this activity sort of at Microsoft and at Google. Um, but really Microsoft and Google, they're, they're playing a bit of catch up and that's why, you know, there is all that activity and, you know, Apple almost perfected the recipe. But that being said, um, what are some of the the new accessibility features that they're that they have been talking about for the new uh, for the new operating systems? Well, most notably, and they talked about this in the keynote, is voice control. Right. Um, you, you can control your Mac or your iOS device, device with your voice. Um, wow. This is a primarily intended. My understanding is. Um, for people with motor and texterity issues sure. where using a touchscreen or tapping um, would be um, impractical. Um, so you can say something like open mail, go home, scroll down, um, tap, delete. Um, you can dictate text. Um, so you're basically manipulating elements on the screen using your voice. Um, yes, yes. It reminds me a little of, this is an old feature um, called Speakable Items. Um, I think the basis for it actually came out back in 1993. Um, And they worked on it a little for a while in early Mac OS X, um, but it's been sort of deprecated. Um, It's it's buried, it's in in Mac OS accessibility settings. and the technology, the voice recognition isn't as good as, say, what is used for Siri. Um, so it's kind of fallen by the wayside. But this is sort of reminding me of what the intent of speakable items was, but more powerful. Right. With Siri, is, I view that as sort of an augmentation of a user experience. Um, augmentation being provided at works, obviously, right. um, to do what you want it to do. Um, just can be a big if at times. Um, but um, Siri, it's an intelligent personal assistant. Um, it doesn't tend to replace the you know granular interaction you have with your OS, whereas voice control, it's a replacement of what you call traditional navigation, right. um, like finger navigation you can say much more granular commands like move right, move left, tap this, tap that, you know, um, yep. scroll, go home. And I haven't explored the full list of commands, um, but I understand you can do quite a lot. There are some others, um, improves um, Braille table support on Mac OS. I'm not a Braille user, so I can't comment on that in practice, but I know they, they have mentioned that there's a whole post on Apple this actually where um, the accessibility features um, are listed for these new OSs. Um, 
voiceover on Mac and iOS is getting on punctuation customizations. You can customize how different punctuations um, groups is said. Um, and I think this is sort of an answer to um, voiceover used to have punctu uh, four punctuation settings, all, most, some, or none. Um, and in 2017, they got rid of the most setting. Um, and people have been kind of unhappy about that. And so I think they're trying to um, sort of respond to that feedback. And so they made pu punctuation customization there. Yeah, you know, that that's interesting to go back to and talking a little bit about the the voice control. You know, that that is going to be something that's that's actually pushing, you know, really, really like running the ball forward in that sense. I mean, they're the first to really look at that. And I think that that's going to be a real breakthrough in the space because. Well, they're not they're not really the first to look at Google it. Google has it as well to a certain degree. That's um, the the underlying technology behind Surrey is, is developed by Nuance. Yeah, and Dragon, uh, Dragon, naturally speaking, professional edition always had that completely hands-free option. Now, granted, that's that's the PC world, but they have you know ported over to Mac versions now. Yeah. So you know, that's a that's a technology that I think Nuance understood pretty pretty well, and uh, it, it makes sense to port it over to that platform. Yeah, well, for for sure, but I mean, but also, I mean, this you got to remember, this is right out of the box. So, and what I think, what I think is gonna, it was really gonna make the difference with with voice control is that it's gonna that there's a real appeal to mainstream as well. Mm -hmm. That's gonna be super useful for people just on, on a daily basis, no matter who they are. Even, you know, if your hands are full of groceries or something, or you, you know, you're in the, you're in the middle of of doing something where you you want. This could also allow them to go after the automotive sector as well. Well, I was sure. just going to say, remember our guest on last week's show was talking about in-car. Yes, that's know, right. And voice access. And so this is a really smart move on their part, I think. This is something that if they can if they can really, really uh, figure it out and and have that baked in, that's a really big feature for, for uh, the new the new phones mm -hmm. going forward. So, you know, whenever they have that, you have this AT that, that also it has... Uh, a lot of of mainstream potential as well that's always something that really like drives things forward so um but i mean i i i have heard of heard that they have been working on this for for a few years is this going to be in the next the next operating system for sure or is this something that they're still working on um obviously right now it's a beta so it's always a work in progress um but it's there it is in both ios and mac os for people to test right now. Thanks. Um, it's at this point, it's a developer beta. Um, so it's not, it's not open to public testers yet. Um, it will be at some point. Um, maybe when they can um, stabilize it a little bit, um, at which point it will go as a public beta. So there'll be some more testing and then it's will come out in September. Right. That was pretty much the highlights. There were um, there were some other um, some other sort of more minor things, but I think um, voice control, um, punctuation, and braille improvements were sort of the highlights. Right. Um. So since you've been a Mac user for such a long time, um, was there anything exciting about the Mac that was announced other than you know a fifty thousand dollar MacBook Pro? Um. Oh, there's that Mac Pro, and those specs are absolutely jaw-dropping. <laughs> um, 
it's certainly not something I would get because, well, for one, I don't have the money for that, and two, I don't really have the need the um, CPU and the processing needs for yeah, a machine that's a, like that. That's a totally um, spec'd out MacBook Pro. They're talking about you know like twenty four core operating system and yeah. I don't know forty eight gigs of RAM. Twenty eight was it twenty eight core or something? Yeah, something ridiculous. What would you need? What? Yeah, it's would, it's um, for Pixar. It's even at least for me, it's hard to comprehend that level wow. of speed. Yeah, it's for Pixar and Lucasfilm and all these other creators. It's not Damn. for us. Steve. Yeah, for people in, in Hollywood, maybe. Or, you know, making movies. Exactly. Editing. Yeah. Yes, there's... um, But I think what's most... What holds most potential about the Mac um, is in macOS Catalina, there is uh, Project Catalyst, which was previously known as um, Marzipan. The ability to run iOS apps on the Mac... Um, they started this a year ago with macOS Mojave. They added four of their own apps as a way to sort of prove the concept and test it in early version of this effort. Um, news, home, stocks, and voice memos. And this year, they are expanding so that iPad apps the developer can go into Xcode, tick a box, and do some code refinements, and their app will run on the Mac. Um, yeah, it sounds very similar to what Google's been doing with Chromebooks and allowing them to run Android apps as well. And I think they're trying to make it so um, that I think the mobile app space is seems like a more vibrant ecosystem than what's on the Mac, and so I think they're trying to you know, bring some of that success to the the Mac platform um, with the tools you know that they already have with with um, the market leverage that they have. So the other the other big thing that <clears throat> that that the media really caught hold of uh, was the announcement that iTunes, as it's been known for however many years is going away only on the mac well yes. or yeah okay. thank <laughs> the lord um but yeah so talk to us overdue. a little bit about that and and tell me tell us tell us give us a little bit of background and, and sort of what they announced so itunes is being broken up um music is um obviously holding uh, music apple music and library and a user's you know music library um and it holds the same functions, the same functions as far as playlists and smart playlists and disc burning and whatnot as iTunes. Um, and then there's a TV app and a podcast app. And so those are, so each media has an app of its own now. And so you're not going through iTunes because that was becoming quite cumbersome. Well, you know, it, it's it's funny when you think about it, and I, it, God knows why it took them this long to, to really figure out iTunes. Uh, We're still trying to figure it out on Windows. <laughs> yeah, well, but that, you know, and again, Windows, I, mean, I think it's sticking around. It is. Yeah, it is definitely sticking that's around. That's going to be a bit of a challenge, I think, for them, is they have this app that they're, you know, supporting on Windows, but the Mac, it's a, you know, they're doing something totally different. 
Yeah, it yeah, it is. It's going to be a challenge. And, you know, so like let's... device, this, I didn't see this coming, but device syncing, because people were wondering with all the functions that iTunes has baked into it, um, you know, what's going to happen, particularly like with people who connect their devices to their computers. Um, that's going to be handled now in the Finder. Um, so it's not a separate app. It's it's happening right in the Finder. And it is the experience when you're actually doing it is pretty much exactly the same. Once you get into the interface, it's exactly the same as the iTunes sync interface. Well, you know, so you know how to sync your device through iTunes, you know how to sync your device through the Finder. Right. You know, it, it's funny when you think about iTunes itself and the trajectory of this program. Here we had uh, when iTunes was first developed, it was it was what? It was developed as a it was a, a CD burning program at its, you know, at its very origin. And then slowly but surely as the iPod as, changed the world. You know, as, <laughs> as as we got iPods and then we got, you know, iPhones, uh they started just like you know, packing more and more stuff that, that iTunes had to do. Then it had to sync the phones. Then it had to like deal with, with photos and video and, and all this syncing stuff. And it became this huge piece of bloatware that. Yeah. You know, I think there was such a rush to add, you know, these cool new features. Like if you think back to 2001, the iPad, iPod and um, the digital life, you know, that, um, that they were pushing. And of course, then they had the music store in 03, mm-hmm. uh, movies and TV shows yes, in around right. like 05, 06. Of course, the iPhone comes out in 07, and they think, you know, why reinvent the wheel? We got the continuity yep. um, for Apple users of the iPod and the Mac, you know, have it integrate with iTunes. And then, of course, the App Store a year later. Yeah. So all that goes into iTunes. It, it becomes sort of a dumping ground. Yes, um, yeah. It's more and more features, but at the same time, uh, less and less user friendly. Yeah, and that's absolutely. why you started started to see iOS stop depending on iTunes as much for software updates and media consumption. Yeah, I mean, I'll be honest. I mean, I was a I was an iPhone user for years, um, but that's one of the things that that influenced my my decision when I when my contract came up and I was looking at a new phone was man I just don't want to have to use iTunes anymore like I just I hate it I hate I hate using it to sync everything you know I just want to be able to plug my phone in and just treat it like a, a like a normal um, you know file explorer window on my on my PC I want to just be able to just drag and drop stuff back and forth on my phone I want that functionality you know, I, I want to be able to to upgrade my the the amount of uh, storage I have. You know, there there was there was a few, but iTunes was just so central at that. I just I, every time I plugged my iPhone in, I would just get agita because I'd just be like, ah, it's you know, I you never knew it was going to happen. And then when they started doing things like you know, you'd you'd plug it in and and they it would go in and look at your your library, your music library, and delete stuff. Yeah, yeah that, it's that and made me a lot of the warnings were like you plug it in and I'd say like, would you like to erase the? Yes. You have to sync the, but to sync you have to erase because it's the uh, media infrastructure versus um, the power of devices now hold a lot more than media. But of course, when that syncing the original framework was designed, it was for the iPod, so and that became ever more dissonant. Yeah, um, with the advances that were being made 
on the devices that iTunes was sort of supporting. Right. Um, and like for me, the only time I ever connected my iPhone, my current iPhone to iTunes was when I got it at first. Um, I set it up on the device itself, but then I synced some media from my computer. But in the future, you know, I, I consume media differently than I did when I got my phone. Sure. Um, and so I don't think I'll be plugging my iPhone into my computer. Um, yeah. And you don't really need to anymore. Yeah. I mean, it's really changed a lot since, you know, since I had the, the phone. So mm -hmm. they've, uh, you know, so I'm sure that, you know, that was, that had to have been such a common complaint that they got. Um, yeah. And iTunes. iTunes is one of those things that, even when it was, you know, more simple and that it had less features, like less bloatware, um, it's always been a sort of frequent butt of criticism um, yeah. by Apple users, just because the, it's being, you know, being poorly designed, uh, confusing. Yeah. And, yeah, you know they tried rewriting it. You know they tried with iTunes 11 back in 2012. They tried rewriting it, um, and you know they got a little like a facelift. Um, but ultimately, the, I think the problem was just that it did too much. And I yeah. think Craig Federighi mentioned this at the keynote, um, where he sort of joked about, "Well, of course we can do calendar on iTunes. Well, Safari we can do that too. And as far as how to do this." Well, of course, we'll have a doc um, yeah. sort of alluding to the feature creep that have been going on for several years. And I think that's another thing that, you know, some of us like because I've started off on iPhone and then went to Android. I'm back on iOS now. But one of the things I really wish would happen is that I could choose my default web browser. Instead of having oh, Safari yeah. be the default for everything, I want to use Chrome or I want to use Firefox, and you can't set your defaults. Hmm. Yeah, it lets you install them, so why not? Why not let us choose it as default? You know, makes no sense to me. Yeah, that is that is a yeah. bit of an odd choice. Yeah, um, it's kind of like third-party keyboards. For a long time, right. you could not use a third-party keyboard out of a dedicated app. Right. Um, but yeah, you know, I think they've been trying to sort of open up that um, slowly. Because they see that if they're going to, you know, talk the talk about pro users, they're going to have to walk the walk yeah. eventually. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, they're getting a lot of competition in, in a lot of different areas that they, they've never had. Uh, yeah. So it's like, like Siri, I think, was one of those examples where it came out. It was one of the first, you know, sort of if you will, latest generation intelligent personal assistance. Um, and this came out back in 2011 and it came out and, uh, you know, sort of took the world by storm. And I don't know if they really knew what to do with it, um, but it put the concept in people's head and in competitors' heads um, so that they were able to see the strengths and weaknesses of Siri work off that and find a number of very practical uses for their own products um well and i think it'd be really interesting if we could do a survey of all the ios users out there and ask them what apps they have on their phone and you know probably like me i've got google chrome i've got google maps i've got the google assistant all on my iphone because they just work better 
Yeah. You know, Apple Maps is okay, but it's not Google Maps. Siri's okay, but it's not the Google Assistant. So I'd like to make my iOS and Android phone. <laughs> yeah, and I think part of the dilemma also is that um, is Siri doesn't collect the same level of data that, uh, say, Google and Amazon might have um, to base its AI. And Apple PR has said that uh, AI, and well, you know, when, when they have executives do interviews, that AI versus privacy is a um, false choice. Um, but it seems, definitely seems like there is, you know, a substantial AI weakness when it comes to Siri. But I mean, do you get the sense these days that Apple is a little bit of a different company today than it was maybe even just five years ago? My sense is that they're 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 a little bit more open to change than they used to be because I think that they are feeling a lot of pressure in the marketplace. I I, I think that they they do see um, a lot of other manufacturers coming up right behind them, and they don't have the market shares that they used to be. So they're they're a little bit more open to to innovation or altering their their core philosophies to sort of to to compete better um, with some of these other companies. Is that the sense that you get or am I crazy? Yes, I think the market dictates um, that Apple really open up um, and see what their competitors are doing because it gets to a point where you get phones and Macs and PCs, um, the general PC field and of course wearables there comes a time where the markets become so saturated that it's harder to come up with the next big thing, the next big new feature. So it's really it, the improvements when you compare, you know, year to year in say 2017, 2018, 2019 versus when you think 07, when the first iPhone came out and then, you know, a year later with the introduction of the app store, you know the app that was a revolutionary change right. um you can only have so many of those with a given you know class of technology um there comes a time when the you know all the improvements it's incremental one company does it right. the others you know see that there's you know some user yeah. demand for that sure. and you know they, they'll copy it in one way or another that's right um, well, and you wouldn't have seen normal. Yeah, I, I definitely think it's um, more evolutionary at this point um, because I think the markets becomes you know saturated enough um, that yeah. you know, Apple doesn't have the same hegemony. That's right. That they used to. Well, and I think you know from everything I you know I, I watched most of the WWDC presentation and read a lot of things afterwards, and one of the you know probably biggest and best presentations at that conference was the Microsoft Minecraft presentation. It wasn't that long ago where Apple wouldn't have had Microsoft on the stage. Yeah, I, honestly, I, I don't know. I, I feel like they're in a better space now. I mean, they may not think so, but I think that it, as, a, as, a, as a company and, you know, as a, sorry, as a consumer looking in, I, you know, I, I think that them being more open to opening things up a little bit more and not being such a closed platform is going is, is gonna to be better for the consumer in the long run. And I think it'll be better for Apple in the long run because the way that they were going, being so closed off, I mean, 
I, I felt like it, it was only a matter of time before that was going to start to 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 really bite them in the butt, and I think it did. I I think that that a, a lot of people got fed up and and uh, jumped ship. But I mean, listen, now that iTunes is gone, I, I I'll be honest with you, I, I w- <laughs> well listen, but hey, like that's that's a start. Um, yeah, and I think one of the biggest challenges now, of course, is price. The fact that yeah, the flagship phones are so expensive. Are they going to start feeling the pinch? You know, if Samsung and other companies can make flagship phones that are cheaper. No, Google um, released the Pixel 3a for $399. Like, even they were talking about in the presentation, something like the Mac Pro, the stand for the display was an extra thousand yeah, dollars. Yeah, just for a stand. Um, yeah. I've yet to see the the sort of what justifies that price point. <laughs> well, I think um, it has wheels. For a, a display stand. No, it, it actually stands. an extra thousand yeah. dollars. It'll, it'll walk <laughs> to you and put the screen at an optimal viewing angle for you. Yeah, it's crazy. But, you know, again, you know, yeah, who is their market? I mean, yeah. you know, I understand that there's got to be, there, there's got to be sort of be a top end manufacturer to everything. Um, but, you know, I think that you have to give, you got to give consumers options. Um, and, you know, and have they not, they, ha- they have started doing that, right? Like there are, yes. there are mid-range phones well, there was the iPhone SE, which was discontinued, but I think we're going to see it again later this fall when the new models come out. Because they have to yeah, compete. if they make a new SE or something maybe based on the i the form factor of the iPhone 8 with updated components, I think that would go a ways. Um, yeah. Well, they have to. You know, you know. giving options um, to consumers. Yeah. You know, like I mentioned, the Google Pixel 3a came in at like 399 US. So there's no need to buy a thousand dollar phone anymore. Yeah. Did you find it interesting, Tyler, that they didn't announce or really talk about their streaming service that's being launched this fall? Oh, TV Plus. Um, yeah, that's right. Like they I didn't. didn't t- they didn't mention it at all. Like, well, but maybe it's it's not really a developer thing. Maybe I mean, if they're not really. Yeah, maybe they're they're not really actively working on it. I mean, the platforms are probably already done. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So the the obviously the, with this push into services, um, there's a TV Plus and Apple Arcade that's coming in the fall. Apple Card is coming this summer. Um, those things to me don't sound particularly exciting. No. Um, just because I think there are others in the space that are entering a competition, and I don't know how it's gonna um work out for them. Um long term unless they have some really good you know unless they have some really good quality content um you know or find ways to make it competitive um for users considering that there's netflix and hulu and everyone else um, yeah there's too many choices operating in that area disney's Um, this fall uh one thing that i did read that uh is good news especially for us is that on the the apple podcast app which is one again one of these three uh, branched off apps from iTunes, uh, they're going to be able to index all the words on each podcast so that so that the searchability of podcast is going to be greatly improved. 
Yeah. Yeah. How is that supposed to work? I, I don't not know. Seen, I know they talked about that a little on the keynote, but how, how does that, do you know how that works in practice? No how idea. How that's gonna, going to work? Are they planning it to work? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I mean, uh, that's a that's a really good question. Again, I'd love to Ryan to be able to get somebody on to talk, even just to talk about that, because that's and, that's fascinating. Because that's that's pretty like next level uh, usability. Well, I would almost think it's kind of like yeah. you know when you upload your podcast or or whatever audio file to YouTube and you turn on the closed captions, it starts play, putting all those words up on screen. Right. So it's almost like live transcription, I would assume. Yeah. 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 That's true. And, it's probably um, something like that. Another, fe you know, interesting feature is they've taken the find my friends and find my iPhone apps, uh, consolidated it into one um, find my. Yeah. Stupid um, name. And there's this new feature. And again, this is something that they talked about. And I don't know like exactly how it will work in, in practice if it'll be. I think it's promising, but obviously I need to see when there are more devices running these operating systems. Um, like where you can find a device even when it's offline uh, mm. via Bluetooth beacons um, and anonymous crowdsourcing. And mm. if that you know if that works, if that you know works out for them, um, that could hugely improve the usefulness of Find My Mac because if you leave your Mac somewhere if you lose it and it's not on Wi-Fi at the current time, find my Mac is only good if for a device that's on Wi-Fi. Yeah. Well, I think even, you know, possibly for missing persons, you know, if somebody goes missing and even if the phone is turned off, you're still going to be able to ping it supposedly. So mm. it could be interesting. Mm. Wait, if, is that even if the phone is turned off, those actually turned off, they're still I thought that's kind of what I got from that presentation. Mm. Now, I could be totally wrong on that, but supposedly it's still kind of in a, a hibernation mode where it's still... You mean I have to take my victims out beyond cell range now? <laughs> Sorry. That's right. Oh, man. Yep. Damn it. So, like I said, I could be wrong, but it is interesting technology for sure. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and I was reading a whole thing about the... Um, the the cryptography that's involved in this um because it's a, a very delicate balance because you know, when you're leveraging so many devices um and making sure that you know the only this information you know only so much information goes up and who has access to that information you know i read it it's a pretty sophisticated algorithm um and there, are, I'm sure there are uh, many, many more people who can talk more about the details of cryptography um, than myself. Um, <laughs> but that just reading it sounded fascinating. Yeah, like what's involved in actually making at least um, because it had, been, it had been talked about in the more theoretical circles for some time. But this is they're saying the first time it's been applied on you know a practical commercial scale. Well, if if at all possible, Tyler, if you can reach out to the guys you had from the Apple accessibility team and maybe put us in contact with them, we'd love to get them on the show. Just just mm. tell them Ryan's gone, gone back to using an iPhone now, so he wants <laughs> he wants back into the club. Well, what made you change back from Android? Being able to double tap and answer a call for the most part, mm. instead of having to search around and find the answer button on my Android phones. Other than that, you know, Android 
did all the same yeah. things my iPhone did, you know, so. Yeah, that's one of those, you can say it's one of those serious bugs that you find, or, you know, things that are lacking in one operating system that can, um, because now that, the, the, you know, that accessibility has improved so much in recent years, um, that consumers, you know, you know, AT consumers have more of, you know, of a choice. Yeah, um, yeah. And it's just it's kind of like uh, Mac and Windows, like um, even even something like Narrator has gotten better on Windows. That's right. Yeah. And continuing to. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I still use NVDA because I think um, a third party screen reader just again, because, you know, more time in the space, more time to perfect their game. Cool. Well, listen, Tyler, uh, we want to thank you so much for taking this time out of the day and uh brushing us up what's going on with apple so tyler why don't you tell us where people can find apple viz online um well the apple viz website um, applevis.com um twitter at apple this um and of course on apple podcasts awesome all right well thank you my friend and let's have you on uh next year and we'll we'll talk more w WDC. <laughs> and of course, um, you can find me on Twitter um, at TDS0615. That's T is in Tango, D is in Delta, S is in Sierra, 0615. All right. Thanks, Tyler. Thanks. Take care. Bye bye. So I, I, while we were uh, doing this, I looked up the specs of that uh, that new Mac. Uh, oh, it's Pro. crazy. Yeah. yeah. So but, but... up to uh, 28 core Intel Xenon processors. Mm up to 1.5 terabytes of ECC RAM, up to 4 terabytes of SSD storage, up to AMD Radeon Wait. Pro Vega 2 Duo graphics with 64 gigabytes of HBM2 memory, 8 PCIe expansion slots, uh, the new monitor, oh, sorry, the, the, the frame of the, the new box uh, has an aluminum housing, that lifts off for 360 degree access to the whole system. Uh, it also includes a lattice pattern, which has been referred to as a cheese grater to yeah. maximize airflow. Yep. Their new display is a 32 inch 6K monitor with P3 wide color gamut and true 10-bit color support. 1600 nits of peak brightness, I didn't a even... one million to one contrast ratio, <laughs> and a super wide off-axis viewing angle, and then. The, the the new MacBook Pro is going to start at six grand US. Yeah. The the display is going to be five grand US, and oh then the stand is going to be nine ninety nine or something. Nine ninety nine, oh yeah, thousand dollars for the stand. Yeah, and it, it doesn't say it doesn't kidding? say what the, what the big deal about the stand is. But mm -hmm. There's got to be more to it than just. Uh, that's well, that's insanity. what a lot of people are debating. They don't know. Yeah, right? that's insanity. Yeah. yeah. That's not bad, you know. Computer starting at six grand, all the way up to fifty grand. So. Yeah, but five grand for the monitor. <laughs> yeah, but that's a hell of a monitor by the sound of it. Six K. I didn't even know that was a thing. Oh yeah, eight K is a thing. Oh yeah, eight K is out now. Is it? Yeah, yeah. Samsung's got a bunch of eight K stuff out on the market. Damn, now. I need. Which to, is bizarre because TV's not even broadcasting in four K yet. Well, some, some of it is. Some but, of it is, but yeah. not much. No. Oh man, I need to. I need to upgrade my TV. Clearly. <laughs> yes. Yeah, absolutely. Better get up to eight K, Rob. Yeah. Yeah, 8K a month. That's what I need to make. So <laughs> can we? Can we? <laughs> oh, uh, what else to say about that? I'm so happy to hear that they have killed iTunes. I mean, I wish they would do on it Mac, on Windows. On the Mac. I'm told yeah. it's on Mac. you got to well, keep but, saying on Mac. Well, yeah, obviously the change to Windows can't be all that far behind. I mean, they must be. it must be in the works. I hope so. 
actually, unless they just don't care about Windows users and they're just like, you know what, you guys can just suffer with iTunes. Yeah, I don't but know. at some point, at some, at point, some point, it'll change it, or go away. Um, but man, that program. It, it was, was the, the bane, bane of our existence yeah, for the years. Yeah, the bane of many people's existence. Yeah. I'm sure a lot of people are really pleased to see it go. Yeah. yeah um, I, I only wish I could have killed it with fire. Yeah. yeah no <laughs> kidding. Oh, yeah. Yeah, anytime that I'd have anything that I'd want to sync to my phone, I'd be like, okay, well, here there, here goes a half an hour of my life. Because, you know, you, you plug it in, it wouldn't it wouldn't detect the phone, or maybe it yeah. did, or then it gave you some sort of cryptic error. Like, yeah, you want to sync? Well, it's, I'm going to, I have to erase everything. <laughs> it's like, well, wait, no. On what? What do you delete? What? It's, no, don't delete anything. Just, I want to add three songs. That's it. Ugh, awful. I do not miss those days. <laughs> yep. But uh, this voice access, too, I think that that has some real potential there. Uh, I'm excited to to hear that that's yeah, really, you should go back really moving you, forward. If you haven't seen the demo, you should go back and, and watch it because it's pretty pretty cool. And, uh, you know, I feel like I feel like that's really going to take off. And I think that, that obviously we're going to see some movement on all the other platforms as well uh, with people trying to catch up, I'll bet. Well, again, you know, going back to the in-car thing, you know, hands-free, you know, control your phone, yep. text, yep. email, listen to music, Yep. you know. Well, and, you know, and people with mobility issues, yep. with with physical access issues, um, you know, that's going to be huge. They're going to be able to use their, their phone just as easily as, you know, people with Parkinson's or any sort of, you know, that, that would have trouble, uh, you mm -hmm. know, using the gestures could be a real game changer there. Yeah, it could be very helpful for a lot of people for sure. Yep. Right. Oh, okay, well there we go. That's our that was our Apple show. Now we are off the hook for another year, eh? You Until betcha. the next WWFCT. <laughs> I'd like to dedicate this uh, to our devoted listener Allie. This <laughs> one's <laughs> for you, Allie. Uh hey Ryan. Rob. Where can people find us? atbanter.com They can also drop us an email if they so desire at cowbell at atbanter.com That was a good hit today. Thank you. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. You know where else they can find us? No, I don't. I have no clue. Facebook and Twitter. Oh, I've heard that. That's right. And apparently there's some limited exposure on Instagram, but... Uh, yeah, it's, I, it's, I, we're I, working on it. I wouldn't go there. No, don't, shh, don't listen to him. Go there. Thanks, everybody, for listening in. Thanks again to Tyler Steven for joining us, and uh, we'll see everybody next week. This podcast has been brought to you by Canadian Assistive Technology, providing low vision and blindness solutions across Canada. Find us online at www.canastech.com. That's C-A-N-A-S-S-T-E-C-H.com. Or call us toll-free at 1-844-795-8324. For all your assistive technology servicing needs, call Chaos Technical Services at 778-847-6840 or find them online at chaostechnicalservices.com. Whoa, look at that. Master of the one take.